You know, we're kind of at our first stretch here where we haven't had games in a couple of days and we're starting to feel the effects of uh, an off-season in October. And I understand if you're a little bit disappointed, if you're a little sad, but let me just tell you something right now. This is where the fun begins. Now the fun begins because the draft is right around the corner. Free agency's right around the corner. Team's got to shed a heck of a lot of cap. There's going to be moving parts all over. There's rumors. There's trades. There's going to be signings. Teams are going to be looking completely different. This is the most unprecedented time that we've seen in an offseason, and we are about to live through it. So buckle up, because now the fun begins. Episode 11 of the Second Thoughts Podcast. Let's go. this is going to be fun. This is the first episode of the Second Thoughts podcast where there have been no games for a couple of days. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting. My name is Cal Grimard. Uh, make sure you do stream along, whether it is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor as a source, or wherever you happen to get your podcasts. We're streaming on about seven or eight different platforms right now. So feel free to subscribe, to like, to give a five-star rating. Uh, that would obviously be very appreciated. And I try and do uh, everything in my power here to make it as fun as unbiased as possible. Uh, make sure to follow along on social media at Second Thoughts P on Instagram and Twitter. It is, uh, it's going to be a blast. And like I said, now is where the fun begins. Not, not anything. I mean, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the bubble, that whole crazy situation was fun. Now the fun begins. This is where all kinds of, you're going to see some nonsense deals. I mean, we're talking about Talks of of Alex Petrangelo staying in San, in St. Louis are still a thing, and and there's some last minute nonsense going on. Oliver Ekman Larson could be moving almost for a one for one with a pick thrown in there. Uh, you know the King is out of New York. I mean, there, there's all kinds of crazy things. So I'm gonna try and get you as caught up uh, as humanly possible on a few different subjects, and we'll go from there. And I know that we've been we've been pounding this rock for a little bit, but I want to start with this. You know, you could try something for over and over again. You know, it's like a career. I did this, this podcast, for example. You know, I tried to start up a podcast on two different occasions, and ultimately it didn't pan out the way I wanted it to, and you can keep trying, keep trying, and and then you say, you know what, you're going to give it one more kick at the cam. And and that's what's happening right now between the St. Louis Blues and, and Alex Petrangelo and his camp. As of this point, nothing has really changed. They're still at a stalemate. They still haven't reached a number where both sides are comfortable with. And they've already said that probably for the best interest of both sides to go explore free agency. And then if nothing happens, come back to it. But rumors are right now that Doug Armstrong and Alex Petrangelo, they're going to give it one more shot. They're going to give it one more kick at the can. And that's going to come this following week right before free agency hits. They're going to try and do this one more time. This is almost like a Hail Mary pass in football where... It's out of a desperation move. You've tried the dink and dunk passes. You've tried some some clever plays. You've tried running the ball. You've tried everything. And at this point, you just need something to stick. And you're going to throw a Hail Mary pass. And you're going to find out what the outcome is once the pass lands. It's either going to be a catch for a touchdown, or it's going to be incomplete, and you don't win the ball game. That's kind of where these two, these two sides stand at this point. 
The last number that I remember hearing was something along the lines of $7.8 million or $7.7 million. That was, I think, St. Louis's last offer. And Petrangelo's thinking he's worth probably in the eight, eight and a half, upwards of nine million. And there's some teams out there with cap room that honestly could possibly give that to him. But right now, this is kind of a it's a Hail Mary situation for both sides. This is one more kick at the can. You're on the 40-yard line. There's three seconds left on the clock. You got one more play to get that ball to the end zone. You got one more week here to sum up an offer for Alex Petrangelo. And this is, again, where it confuses me. Because St. Louis in this situation, this is just my opinion, but St. Louis in this situation is better off not signing Alex Petrangelo. Let let me get something straight here. I understand the level of player that Alex Petrangelo is. I get it. He's your captain. He's your 50-point defenseman. He's your number one guy who goes up against the opponent's best players. He's your minute eater. He plays 25, 26 minutes a night, and that role is incredibly difficult to fill. I completely understand. But hear me out here. If you sign Alex Petrangelo, you're going to have to move out more parts because St. Louis doesn't have the cap. Yes, they got rid of Jake Allen, who was making over $4 million, but Petrangelo's last deal was at six and a half. You're adding another two, two and a half million dollars to onto that to get him back locked up here. On top of that, you have three other right-hand defensemen. Someone's getting bumped. And I gotta be honest with you, there aren't, there isn't enough interest in Alex Bortuzzo. You're not moving the Justin Falk contract. And Colton Perinko is gonna give you the best bet to A, shed some salary to make room, but bring in assets and young players that are going to give you an opportunity to bring Petrangelo back. I've said this before. I've said this many times on this podcast. St. Louis needs to choose between Alex Petrangelo and Colton Perinko. And I think what they're doing right now is they their number one guy is Alex Petrangelo. But they've been lowballing because they want everyone to fit. They want they don't want it. They don't want to break up the band whatsoever. But you need to make a decision here. Either you want Alex Petrangelo for the next eight seasons. He's your guy. He's your captain. He is going to be in this era where St. Louis has that cup window. Or you move on from him. You let your younger defenseman, Colton Perenko, take a step forward. Fill in that number one gap. Justin Falk fills in at the two. And then you build a couple pieces around that. But you've got to make a decision. Take one more kick at the can. But you better make sure that ball's in the end zone. Right? There's three seconds left in a game. You're not dumping a pass off 10 yards when you've got 30 to go. Like, if you want Petrangelo, you got to go all in for it. You got to fire a Hail Mary pass. So I just think that St. Louis is, you know, the way that their team's already structured, they're a good team already. If they want Petrangelo, by all means, they can sign him, but they've got to get rid of someone else. And the guy that most teams are going to want is Colton Perenko. They're not going to want Tyler Bozak. Maybe a team takes takes a shot on Jaden Schwartz. But that team needs, they need offense. They need balance in their offense to score. Be very interesting over the next week. This is going to be a fun story to follow along. And we'll see where the sweepstakes eventually end on Alex Petrangelo. Going to be interesting. I want to I talk about this for a second. We're going to move on to another defenseman here. 
Now, I, I've, I've heard this from a, a bunch of other people before. The decisions that you make will lead to whether you succeed or whether you come up short on something. Right? If you got two companies offering you a contract somewhere, if you got two companies with great jobs, both of them are great jobs, both of them great companies, but one of them for some reason is going to work out better than the other. You got to make sure you got to calculate all the risks. You've got to, you do the, you know, you have to do a pros and cons list and you have to figure out which company in the long run is a better fit for you. So the news and speculation around Oliver Ekman Larson are suggesting that he has narrowed it down to two choices he would accept a trade to because when he re, when he re-upped in, in Arizona, he signed a no-movement clause contract, $8.5 million per. It seems like the Vancouver Canucks and the Boston Bruins are the two clubs that Oliver Ekman Larson is willing to go to. This is a big decision here. You know, Boston is this forever dominant team with a lot of really great pieces on it. You've got a lot of vets who know how to win. They've been there before. They are a perennial team where a lot of people pick them and peg them to win the Stanley Cup. You know, a couple Asian guys in the back end, but, you know, that's where you would come in and fill that role and basically continue the saga of the Boston Bruins and this core that they have right now. And on the other end, you've got this young, exciting team in the Vancouver Canucks who have all these young guys and these these high-end players like Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser and they, you know, they got guys like JT Miller, very character driven players and you know their back end is young but you know they're emerging like a Quinn Hughes and you've got other you know steady guys in the back end and like Alex Edler and you got Troy Stetcher who's a young guy there too and their goaltending is promising your choices will define your success the choices that you make will will define the way things go you know look, look at look at the players who who pick where they want to go in free agency a lot of people are harping on the fact John Tavares' first year in Toronto, 47 goals, almost got through Boston in the first round. Would have liked to have gone further, but 47 goals and 90 points for John Tavares, that's a booming success. The choices at this point were the San Jose Sharks and the Toronto Maple Leafs. San Jose, always on the cusp, always a team that seems to find their way to the postseason and pass the second round and... You know, a little bit aging, and then you got Toronto, who's an up-and-coming team, lost in the first round for a couple of years, but you could really cement yourself as that second, you know, that number, you know, not the number two center, but that second, basically number one center behind Austin Matthews. He regressed a little bit this year, but you can't tell me that he didn't make the right choice. Took less money, came to Toronto, look at San Jose. Eric Carlson's hurt all the time. They don't have their draft picks for this year. Their goalie's a mess. It's an aging team. They're on the outs. Pavelski's gone from that roster. Thornton probably is gone. That team's in a rebuild. And John Tavares almost inked a seven-year deal there. He almost did, but he didn't. The choices you make will define your success. My thoughts on where he'd be a better fit? I understand that Boston has this this tight-knit core, winning culture, you know, cap space to get them. San Jose had all these things before they made an offer for John Tavares. Boston's probably got about three, three to four years left. This is my opinion. I could be totally wrong on this. 
But Charles is going to be gone soon. Tory Krug's probably leaving in free agency. You know, Patrice Bergeron isn't getting younger. Your younger guy is Pasternak. They've got some younger pieces there, but like that 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 known core in Boston, right? The Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchands, you know, they're not getting younger. They're on the other side of 30. I think it looks good to start, but I think for longevity, the Vancouver Canucks, they've got multiple goaltending prospects, multiple guys who can play that position. You're going to be adding to a defensive core that already has Quinn Hughes and Troy Stetcher, Alexander Edler. And then you've got your young guns up front who are only getting better. Elias Patterson and Brock Besser and JT Miller. Not to mention, if you think that Vancouver's cap strapped, just remember, Louis Erickson's contract comes off the books soon. There's your money to go keep that entire band together. Travis Green's a phenomenal head coach. I think the situation in Vancouver, it just, for longevity purposes, and we know, you know, Boston could just be the New England Patriots because, you know, Massachusetts, and they just, they have a dynasty for like the next 10 years. I don't know. But if I were to make a calculated guess on longevity of me being in a situation for a period of time, my best bet would be Vancouver. Look at P.K. Subban. Mind you, he didn't want, he didn't choose this, but P.K. Subban setting up, he was a completely different player in, in Montreal, in Nashville. And then Jersey comes and it's, it's a mess. It's a mess for him. Think of how many teams get stuck with a guy's contract after a year or two. Right? Edmonton made this deal to, to go grab Milan Lucic. It was awful after year one. Calgary made the deal to go get James Neal. It was awful after year one. Then they swapped teams. It was a little better. It wasn't great. Choices you make define your success for the future. Ekman Larson has a choice here. I think both are fine choices because they're both better than Arizona. But I think one's better than the other. And I think that one is the Vancouver Canucks. I really do. Um, I want to get to this story. I can't believe I didn't start with this story, but this happened right after the last episode of the podcast happened. The New York Rangers are at the end of an era. They bought out the final year of a contract of goaltender Henrik Lundqvist, ending his 15-year run as the face of the franchise in the Big Apple. This happened back on Wednesday. He is a future Hall of Famer, 38 years of age. He had an $8.5 million cap hit. He was on the final year of his contract. Was only owed $5.5 million in total salary for next year. Now, according to the bio calculations of Cap Friendly, Lundqvist will count $5.5 million against the Rangers cap for 2021. So they get a $3 million discount. And then $1.5 million in 2122. It's the end of an era for Henrik Lundqvist. Um, I remember when he came into the league, very low draft pick. I think he was like a, a seventh round pick or something or just something crazy. You know, I, there's a lot of memories for Hank. I just, I remember his, his, his playoff runs. He will be, he will be considered in my opinion, one of the greatest players ever to not win a Stanley cup. Like when you think of the guys now, right? You think of Joe Thornton and you know, some of those aging players in the league, like Jerome McGinley was another guy. 
you know, guys who, phenomenal players their entire career that just never had an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. And Lundqvist was that close, right? Stanley Cup Finals overtime against the Kings. But he might go down as one of the greatest players of all time to have not won a Stanley Cup. And that's unbelievably not his fault. He gave that team more opportunities than they deserved. They had, you know, at, at times good teams, not great teams. And Henrik Lundqvist elevated those teams. I remember he broke into the league 05 06. Um, I be- he's one of the most successful goaltenders of all time to suit up for them. And I think he's the all time leader in a multitude of categories, including games played with 887, wins at 459, save percentage 918, shutouts at 64. I think the one quality, too, about Henrik Lundqvist that I don't think he gets enough credit for, go back and watch this because I'm, I'm bang on right about this. I believe Henrik Lundqvist is one of the most successful and one of the greatest goaltenders all time in the shootout. Seriously, go watch him. He was he was better at reading the shooter than the shooter was at reading the goalie. He knew what you were doing and he would bait you into doing it before you even realized it as a player. Phenomenal. He was one of the best shootout goaltenders I think I've ever had a chance of seeing. He was that good. Um, and it's just, it's the end of an era. And I don't know at this point whether he's going to retire, whether he's not going to retire. You know, but he was one of my favorite goaltenders of all time. And I know that's easy to say because he's from New York. He is, a, he's a great story. He was a, a low draft pick and, you know, he was successful and good looking and, you know, just had all of these characteristics. But he just, he always had this attitude on him where he said, I am the best. You're not beating me. My favorite thing too is the fact that he sat on his goal line a lot of times and that normally, as a goaltender, you're supposed to come out and take the angle away. With Henrik Lundqvist, it didn't matter. Because you couldn't beat him there. And then when you tried to pass the puck around, he's so deep at his net already, you were you were absolutely toast. So, we'll see what comes of it. I really hope he gives uh, another team an opportunity and goes on as like a 1B or a backup option for a couple million dollars. Because I think he'd be a great leader. And, you know, if you're a team with a young goaltender who needs a little bit of guidance, a <laughs> perfect team, Vancouver. Right? If you don't bring back Markstrom and you can get rid of Demko and you bring back Lungfist for a couple mil, oh, how great would that be there? So, end of an era for, for the New York Rangers and Hendrick Lungfist, but uh, phenomenal 15-year run in, in the Big Apple. And, you know, he's one of the greatest Rangers to ever do it. Um, you know, I want to get into this because I kind of touched on it a little bit last episode, but I want to I want to go a little deeper into this. You know, the Winnipeg Jets are are in a situation right now where they are trying to... It seems like they're trying to get stuff done before free agency and before the draft. And with everything that goes on in life, sometimes you need to just take a step back, take a deep breath, refocus, get yourself engaged, get yourself re-centered, and then weigh your options. You know, the Jets right now, the narrative is that they're looking for options for forward Patrick Laine. A guy who is just 22 years of age. A a scoring winger with an incredible shot. That's almost money in the bank for 30 goals a season. LA Kings, New Jersey Devils, Detroit Red Wings, and Arizona Coyotes are all teams among the locations that seem to make the most sense. Uh, There were conversations evidently with the Kings. Not conversations between them, but a lot of people speculating that the Kings uh, have, have inquired about him. In my thought, it doesn't make any sense for Winnipeg to trade Patrick Laine. Here's why. He's one of your best young players. Locked for a minimum 30 goals a season on a bridge team-friendly deal 
who has started to round out more as a more complete player around the National Hockey League, and by the way, arguably has a top three shot in the NHL, maybe behind Ovechkin, possibly Kucherov, Stamkos when he's healthy. In terms of wingers, I, I can't think of someone with a with a a more laser beam shot. Like he when he came into the league, everyone was saying, "Oh, he's the next Ovi." You know, he's got that that release that rivals Ovechkin. You know that one timer. And I know Austin Matthews too, who's developed the shot. He's he's in like they're all in that top five category. But a top five shot in the NHL. They need to take a step back. They need to take a breath. They need to realize that they have a very good young team. Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler. They have got a loaded top six, all of them making very reasonable amounts of money. Your struggle is on your back end. And the understanding is trade line A for a player on the back end. Not to mention, too, you already have Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk on your back end. You don't need to swing for the fences for a guy like Petrangelo. There are so many depth pieces, and I think Winnipeg's got the room to do it. Right? Go get a Chris Tanev. Go get a Travis Hamanick. Go to TJ Brody. Go get a Radko Gudis. Go get guys like that on your back end. They're going to cost you two to three million dollars per person. I know Tanev's thinking more around like the lines of four to five million, but you can get Hamanick on a three million dollar deal. You can get Radko Gudis on a two and a half million dollar deal. It's not that far-fetched to plug a couple of those guys into your lineup, pair them with a guy like Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk, who already took strides last year. This team, the holes aren't nearly as big as Winnipeg fans think they are. You don't mess with with, with what's going right for this franchise. Your your depth at your forward position is incredible. Jack Roslovic is a guy who, who's like a third, third. Go trade a guy like Josh, Jack Roslovic. Seriously, if you're going to go contemplate trading a player, Nikolai Ehlers took steps last year. Patrick Laine took steps last year. Kyle Connor took steps last year. You're not trading Shifley, and you're not trading your captain, Blake Wheeler. You want to think about trading a player for a defenseman and, and do a little switch of assets? Go trade Jack, Jack Roslovic. Nothing against him. Great player. Great depth guy. I think more as a top six guy on a different team. Gets a better role on a team. But if you're telling me right now, if I were, to, if I wanted to trade one of two players, Patrick Lyon or Jack Jack Roslovic, I'm trading Ro- Roslovic 11 out of 10 times. Winnipeg, they've only got a couple of holes in that back end. They have a lot less holes than I think they realize. You've got a lot of guys on the market right now who you can sign to team-friendly deals. And if you need to make a trade for a guy who's under contract, Jack Roslovic is a great candidate. But don't move Lyon, eh? You can find other third-line players. You can find fourth-line depth players in, in, in your organization and out in the market. You're not finding second overall pick Patrick Laine, who's a bank to score 30, 35 goals. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. Understand the ramifications when you're talking about trading a player like Patrick Laine. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we'll move on to another team and some other news. And the Columbus Blue Jackets are uh, are, are interested in listening on, on both of their goaltenders right now. My thought of process is this. I think it's a great idea. You know, play from a position of strength. You've got two guys who clearly show that they're both capable of being 1A or, or top option goaltenders for teams out there. 
You know, they they need to bolster their offense this offseason. They need to get some scoring. That was their big thing all year. They they need to score. They didn't have the goal. They didn't have the the, the scoring power in order to to compete with teams like Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay showed them that this past year. They took care of Toronto. They were able to shut them down. Tampa obviously went on to win the Stanley Cup, but the team needs a little bit of scoring. Obviously, once they lost Panarin and whatnot, they need other guys outside of Pierre-Luc Dubois to to find their scoring touch. And they've got a young guy in Liam Foodie who's going to come up and he'll be on the team next year. But, you know, this is a a good idea. You know, Jonas Corposalo, he he had a very steady campaign this past year, um, but his playoffs numbers were obviously absurd. In the the postseason, he had a 941 save percentage, uh, a 7.21 goals save above average across nine starts. He set a record for saves in a playoff game. He made like 85 saves against Tampa in that five-overtime game. Uh, you know, he is a guy that really stepped up and, and could be the number one. And then you've got Elvis Merzlikens, both of them 26 years of age. He won an absolute tear after, you know, he didn't, remember, he didn't win a game last year. Isn't that crazy? Didn't win a game last year. Comes in this year, goes 12-2 and two with a ridiculous 953 save percentage and five shutouts in the postseason. Now, here's the thing. Both goaltenders have two years remaining on their deals. Corpusello has a cap at of 2.8. Merzlikens, 4. I really thought that'd be vice versa. But, gun to my head, if you were to tell me right now, who would you rather keep? Who would you want to trade away? Obviously, at this point, you're not really making the choice. If a team is really, you know, willing to go on one guy or the other, you're going to listen to it. But if, they were, if a team was saying, we don't care, we're going to give you X top six forward. Uh, I would lean towards towards trading Merzlikens. You know, Corpusalo in the postseason really went out of his way. I think he took a step this year. I think Merzlikens came in and did a pretty good job when he when he was tasked with it. But I think I think Jonas Corpusalo is the guy that I will have a little bit more faith in. That would be consistent. You know, it would be a consistent form of play as the years transpired. And you know, this is this is the ball finally is in Columbus's favor. You know, they were out on Bobrovsky. They were out on Panarin. They couldn't get other guys to to sign over any other big free agent guys. And I think finally, the ball's in Columbus's favor. You've got two goaltenders in a very goalie-heavy market where some of the guys are going to be asking for money and could cause, you know, in retrospect, a little bit of a bidding war between, between some of the guys in the market. So now if you have the power, you have a guy who's already under contract for the foreseeable future fairly decent money and, and guys too especially in this day and age now where it's not necessarily a starter who's going to make 65 70 starts a season it is 1a 1b options and both of these guys clearly qualify for that i would i would look to try and keep corpus Allo, maybe see if you can get something for Merzlikens, especially after that hot run maybe bring in something a little bit more than what you're asking for maybe you add a pick in there too but blue jackets very interested right now in listening to both goaltenders uh, well, I'm going to move on to, to a team who's, it's funny enough, the narrative around this one is sometimes what you think is a strength isn't. You know, the Nashville Predators right now, the free agent market is kind of lacking impact centers and Nashville is open to moving one of their pivots, according to TSN's Frank Cervelli. You know, Nashville has Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, Kyle Turris, and Nick Bonino all down the middle of the ice, none of them who have any trade protection whatsoever. Matt Duchesne has a seven-year, $56 million contract this past offseason. He was actually pretty good, decent, but underachieved a little bit. He had 42 points in 66 games. Ryan Johansson, a little bit more of a disappointment. 36 points, 
68 contests. He's 28 years of age. He signed on for five more seasons at $8 million per. And then you've got Kyle Turris, who's just been a tough, tough, tough player over the last little bit. 54 points over his last 117 regular season games. He's got four more years left on his deal at $6 million per. And then the guy who I think you don't trade, but who is the most economical option. One year left on his deal, $4.1 million, 35 points in 67 games. He was he was tied with the second best points per, uh, per game mark of his career. I really like Nick Benino as a player. He's a proven winner. He comes from a Stanley Cup champion. That's the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the guy you don't move. If, if you could pick one of the guys to move, obviously it's Kyle Turris. But four years at $6 million per at 31 years of age, I think that's you're not going to be able to move a guy like that. I think a team will be a lot more willing to take a chance. I think your best bet here, you just signed Duchesne, so he's not going anywhere. Between the two of them, I think teams would be a lot more interested in a guy like Ryan Johansson. He's 28 years of age. Won a great season, but 36 points in 68 contests. Like, if he gets, if he moves somewhere and puts up 50 points, but it's the cap hit that gets you. $8 million for Ryan Johansson. Sometimes what you think is a strength is actually a weakness. You've got four guys locked up who all pivots in the NHL. All of them underachieved, I would say outside of Benino. But that's what you pay Benino to do. You pay him to be a third-line guy, a fourth-line guy. And when he's putting up 36, 35 points a year, you want him on your team. A, a proven winner, been with a, with an organization like Pittsburgh. You know, played with Phil Kessel, played with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. You know, knows what it takes to win. I really think that, you know, teams are going are gonna to want Benino. But they would love to move out a guy like Johansson. Unless they're taking Cap back on, in which case I would think... You know, if if they could find a way to, to to find a suitor for Ryan Johansson, I think that's where you go. But it's a tough situation for Nashville. They really thought they were going to be a lot better this this year, and you and you've got Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson as wingers on this team too. Like this team should be scoring goals, but something there just isn't adding up. And it's so sad too because I talked about this with a coworker the other day. It has nothing to do with him, but at some point. When you start looking at Matt Duchesne as, as, as the guy who you can't win with, hear me out for a second. Hear me out. Colorado was one of the worst teams in the NHL. They make a deal with Ottawa. The moment Matt Duchesne goes to Ottawa, Nathan McKinnon explodes onto the scene and is the second best player in the world right now. Ottawa doesn't really achieve much afterwards. Duchesne gets traded to Columbus. Columbus already going to the postseason, has a little bit of success there, but after that run, the deal's up, he wants to sign somewhere else, so he goes and signs with Nashville. All of a sudden, Nashville collects 42 points in 66 games, they don't get out of the qualifying round, Columbus makes the playoffs, Ottawa's looking like a good rebuild right now, you know what I mean? Just every team he goes off of... They seem to thrive from it. And it's awful because you never want to think that out of a person or a player. But there are three teams right now. Three teams who are trending upward. And Nashville isn't. So very, very interesting situation in Nashville. Again, this whole offseason is going to be crazy. But we'll see what what, what comes of, of that situation. Who takes a shot on maybe a guy like Ryan Johansson. Or if someone wants to take a shot at Turris.
Uh, a couple more news and notes here before we finish this thing off. The uh, Edmonton Oilers and Ryan Nugent Hopkins are making progress on a long-term extension over the past 24 hours. Uh, the deal isn't imminent, but the two sides appear to be headed in the right direction. Uh, Nugent is in the final year of a seven-year $42 million contract They signed all the way back in 2013. Uh, he was on pace this year for the best statistical season of his career. He had 61 points in 65 contests, averaging over 20 minutes a night. Uh, added six points in four games versus Chicago. He has really turned it around. I remember for a long time, a lot of people were calling him a bust. They were calling him a guy that, you know, just did not, um, you know, wasn't going to pan out as the, as a number one overall pick. But he did he did really nicely. Played a great second fiddle role, third fiddle role after McDavid in, in Dreisaitl. But, you know, this is where I didn't realize Edmonton's got some room, you know. The Oilers have approximately $32 million in projected cap space for 2021-2022. That would be when Nuge's deal would potentially kick in if he goes to sign it. But, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Like, when he was first overall pick, you know, he started slow out of the gate, and then he signed, you know, his big contract where he made $6 million per, and everyone was like, oh, it might be too much for Nuge. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 443 points in 604 career games. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good start to your career, and he's... He's not that old. He's 27. You know, if he can find a spot there where, you know, he gets a little bit of a bump anywhere, I would say if he gets like seven, that would be understandable to me. But evidently, both Edmonton and Nuge have been making progress towards that conversation and both sides seem to, to like where it's going and Nuge could be in for a nice new payday by uh by the end of the offseason. So, be interesting. Uh, also, Edmonton kicking the tires at goaltender Peter Mrazek. Uh, they've shown interest in Carolina Hurricanes goaltender. Uh, Pierre Lebrun posted about it a couple of days ago with insider trading. Uh, Mrazek is more of a plan B option for the Edmonton Oilers. There are a few other players that I think that are, are in the mix for, for Edmonton right now. Obviously, a guy like um, you know, a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury is 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 the thought, I think. I think there's there's the, the Markstrom situation, and there's there's Holpe out there. There's a lot of goaltenders that are getting ready to hit the market. Matt Murray is a viable trade option for them as well. But Mrazic this past year, 40 games, was 21-16-2 with a 905 save percentage, 2.69 goals against average. Not great, not horrible. Um, but Edmonton already has Miko Koskinen locked in at two more years with an AAV of $4.5 million. Mike Smith is going to be gone, so he will come off the books. But very, very interesting. Edmonton kicking the tires at a bunch of goaltenders. Again, I'm, I'm just clarifying on this because, you know, this was news that broke from an insider, so I figured I'd share it. Edmonton's going to get a new goaltender to be paired with Miko Koskinen. P.M. Morazic, I think, would be a good cheap option. But like I said, it's more of a plan B scenario. But if Edmonton can solidify that and their defensive structure, when you have the best player in the world, it's only when you basically have two of the best players in the world, it's only a matter of time before you break through and, and really put your stamp on the league. So they get that goaltending situation fixed, they are going to be uh, be laughing. And then lastly, in news involving the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, defensemen both Cody Ceci and Tyson Berry uh, are aware that they will be heading to free agency. It's not news. Both of them didn't work out there. But Toronto, you know, they have they have been talking internally about Alex Petrangelo, and they are preparing for both situations in which Petrangelo either signs with St. Louis and does not become available, in which case they have offers. They have they have they have players that they like to target and trade. Another guy is Colton Perenko. And they're planning on if Petrangelo goes to the open market. And they have talked a number that they seem would be reasonable for a guy like that who would dramatically change change that franchise. But what I think on Toronto too is the fact that. Yes, Petrangelo makes them instantly better on the defensive end. But I think if you could find a way to make a trade, 
and get a couple of guys under contract on that blue line, I think it makes way more sense in my opinion. I think if you can pair a deal where first-round pick and, and Travis Dermott to St. Louis for Colton Perenko, St. Louis on the left side has Carl Gunnarsson, I believe Jay Bomeister is a free agent, and uh, Vince Dunn is their other left-hand defenseman. I knew I was forgetting somebody. But you know, you got two guys there. You got you got Gunnarsson, you got Vince Dunn. You know, Dermott can fill in as that third guy right there and play beautifully. Give St. Louis that opportunity to re-sign Alex Petrangelo, Justin Falk, and Alex Bortuzzo, or then kind of round out your defensive core there. And they shed the $5.5 million cap space that they would need to get Petrangelo locked up. I think Toronto, viably, that makes a lot more sense because A, Dermot's deal gets them about a million or so off the books. They bring in Perenko. And then they've got money to go sign a guy like Radko Gudis or a guy like Travis Hamannick or another depth player without breaking the bank for one guy. I think if you can get Paranko plus a guy in free agency, I think that works out better. It just makes a lot more sense for Toronto than to just go for the big home run ball and get Petrangelo. Toronto already has Miko Lettinen coming in from the KHL. And, you know, you got, you got Justin Hall... And you've got Jake Muzzin, and you've got Morgan Riley, and yes, you've got Sandine and Lilligren and Dermot. But you need guys that can play now. <laughs> you, you don't need guys that can play in the next two to three years. You need guys that can step in and fill roles right now. And who knows? Miko Letnin might not work out. He was the KHL's defenseman of the year over in Russia. But sometimes that doesn't transpire to the National Hockey League. And I think for Toronto, it makes a lot more sense to go make a trade for a Colton Perenko for a guy like Matt Dumba. You can you can send over a first in Dermot or a first in, in Lilligren or something like that and then have some room afterwards to go ink a guy like Travis Hamannick or Radko Gudas or TJ Brody or, you know, like the list goes on for right-hand defensemen that are available. But Toronto has talked about the possibility of getting both guys here. I just think if you can get two for the price of one, I think that immensely, depth has been the biggest thing with this team. Right? Once Jake Muzzin went out of that lineup, this team struggled to play defense against Columbus. Something happens to Petrangelo, you're right back to square one. At least with a guy like Parenko and a guy like Hamannick, you've got depth, you've got stability, you have options on the back end. But like I said earlier, everything is going to unravel in the next week or so. The draft's going to happen. Picks are going to get moved. Players are going to get moved. Free agency is going to come in. Players are either going to be available or not available. Players could get offer sheeted this 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 off season. This is going to be teams are looking to shed salary to get to a seventy million dollar spot within their organization, seventy to seventy five million. Even though even though the cap will be set and flat at eighty one and a half, this next week, buckle up. Because if you thought if the playoffs were crazy, the bubble was crazy, if you thought, you know, that was kind of the end and things are going to tail off, I'm telling you, now the fun begins. Now is when it gets exciting and things get interesting and crazy and loopy and I am all for it and I hope you are as well. Uh, That is it for episode 11 of the Second Thoughts podcast. Like I said earlier, my name is Kyle Grimard. Uh, You can stream online on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. Make sure to follow along. Uh, like it, rate it five stars, uh, follow on, on Instagram and, and Twitter as well, at Second Thoughts P. 
First episode in the books without games, I think was a success. We'll see what comes over the next little bit. I plan on doing uh, kind of a draft summary before uh, before the next episode and then a free agent summary as well. It's, it, it's going to be booked for the next little bit. I can't wait. Until then, that's a wrap.